When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The award-winning crunch time. Hawkins is there, three to beat. Oh, missed mark. Fuse with the snap. He's missed to the left as the siren sounds. And can you believe it? The Giants have beat Geelong in Geelong for three times in a row in Toby Green's 200th game. Knocks it to Draper. Sam bends over. Can handle to Langford into an open goal and kicks it. As easy as you like. He'll go back to Amos. Wheeling the 50. Sutton hit it. And he does. Not bad either. Umpire's got the sit. Shouts! Up the back. Scream the goal. A giant celebration for skipper Toby Green at the Cattery in game 200. The Dons get it done out in the West. While Luke Jackson gets the last laugh over his former side. The Dockers saluting at the G. In comes Connor McDonald. And he pops it through, so the Hawks are yet to lay down. Good kick. Moore's marked. He plays on. Around the body. Goal. There it is. We have got the grandstand finish. Four to the plate of Moore. Got it on the bump. Kicked inside. As Jacob Kaczynski kicks from 48 metres out. Beautiful. Arms raised. Almost ended up with it on the tap, coming back through. Dragged the ground was McDonald. Patting out a halfback. That's the sort of win young teams come of age with. Hawthorne with the last five goals to overrun St Kilda. And it's a heroic Saturday afternoon for Sam Mitchell's Hawks. Who said anything about tanking? The Hawks kicked the final five goals of the match to defeat the Saints by 10 points. Connor Nash to join us in the second hour. Snap inside, 50. Off hands, Holman, the 100 gamer. Hands it off to Rao. This would be a big goal from Matt Rao. It is a big goal from Matt Rao. And Eugle Hagen will have to fly against a few, and he does it. That was mark number nine for Eugle Hagen. And aiming for goal number three. Fans behind the goals are happy. Eugle Hagen waves to the crowd. Western, Western Bulldogs free kick. It was off camera, so we didn't actually see what it was. It's against Ben, ben Long. Long. I think he said pushing the back. Have a look on the Chemist Warehouse replay. So Cody Waitman on a tight angle to bring the margin to within a point. A big kick. He stands tall. His second of the night. And the Dogs have got a pulse. They go forward again. Powell has a crack at goal. It's a one-on-one -on -one in the goal square. King was taken down. Lacocious was. Humphrey snaps it. Goal. Oh, oh crucial one late for the young man. The Moe Flyer. He's going to be a star, this boy. Bailey Humphrey sharked it off the pack and then snapped it. Round 11 travels to the top end where it was the Suns who prevailed over the Dogs. Could this be the win that instills the belief 
that September action is a reality. You're listening to Sunday Crunch Time. Warm welcome to Sunday Crunch Time here at the MCG ahead of Richmond and Yartapulti. Sarah Ollie here with Tom Morris and Scott Lucas. We're going to preview what's to come while also trying to make sense of the weird and wacky results across the weekend. Connor Nash and David Teague are our special guests today. But a very good morning to you, Tom and Scotty. And Tom, what a week it's been for you. I've got one tip so far, Sarah, <laughs> and that was Essendon versus West Coast. So it's not been a good week on the tipping front, but it's good to be here at the MCG. And it's great to see Damien Hardwick back on Twitter as well. At 10.07 this morning, he <laughs> tweeted a photo of himself on the couch with his dog. I presume it's his dog. How long to go, Khan the Tigs, with a stone and wood in his hand at 10.07 a.m. on a Sunday. That is a man who is probably temporarily retired, Scotty. Until he's not. Until he's not. Now, <laughs> one tip for the week, but it was yeah. a big tip. What, Essendon? No, last Monday. Oh, Well done. <laughs> Thank you, Scotty. Well done. Thank you. Um, and it's interesting because I'm not always on the side of the journalists, but no. I'm absolutely dismayed at any discussion around your right to break that. It's your job. <laughs> uh, and well done. I mean, you got it right. What else do you want? And any other issues I find remarkable. I mean, it's up for – if you find it out – I would tend to take more umbrage with those that provided you those details in terms of loyalty to Richmond or the players not knowing, etc. That's not your issue. You've got a great story, one that's of incredible interest to so many, and you got it first. So well done. Thank you, Scotty. What I would say, Sarah, is that no one barracks for the journalist. So I think any journalist that tries to defend himself or herself no. and, and um, defend the position is not a necessarily a very popular person. But of course, any journalist, they're not going to sit on that story, are they? It, it's well, because they come those stories, and if you don't break it, Tom, someone else yeah. is going to get wind of it a few hours, a few minutes, who knows, a few seconds later, and they're going to report it themselves. Mm. So good it's, on you. It's always coming out. It's a matter of when. I mean, I don't think we have to. We should have to line everything up and wait sure that everyone knows that it's good to go. I mean, great work. And um, everyone just appreciates, I think, should, accurate news reporting, uh, when you've got it. Hopefully, That's all you can do. Hopefully. It was a great celebration of Damien Hardwick, though, wasn't it? Um, he won't be coaching today, which I think is a shame, but I think he handled himself very well in his press conference. I think once you're out, you're out, aren't you? Yeah. He goes, well, I'm done, so let's hand over. Because, and as Andrew McWalter said in his press conference, it's funny, we celebrated in the emotion of Monday, Tuesday. The next day, bang, we've got Port Adelaide this week, big game. What do we need to do? How do we set up? Who's doing the who's doing his line position now, etc.? So that's the nature of footy. But you just, I think it's important just to appreciate the, the job that he did, mm. but also the toll that more broadly coaching is taking. Yep. on those people, and you've really got to feel for them. I think it's somewhat ignorant or to say, you know, oh, it's the best job in the world, get on with it, get over it. I think it's worthy of greater um, exploring about how we can keep these people that are great coaches in the game for longer, and whatever that might be. But, but I think a broader discussion needs to be had because we don't want to lose, and, and not just coaches, but different staff members, because we know on the back of COVID and the cuts and et cetera, and less staff, more work, because your players, it's an elite perform, an elite industry where you want best performance. So the players all of a sudden aren't going to say, well, we're happy with 20% less from you guys because there's 20% less staff. 
they want more. Collectively, they do because they all want to win. So we've just got to su- remember to support our people. And it was interesting to hear during the week, you know, I, I heard a, a comment for Gil around, um, you know, previously clubs were using it to go on, you know, overseas trips. So what? I just don't understand why the industry is back going that we still have, and perhaps I'm going off track and I apologise, football <laughs> department spend is down 30%. 37%. Look, yeah. what are we doing? Well, the game has bounced back since so, COVID, but that area of the game certainly hasn't. And so, I think David yeah. Teague will be a good person yeah. to pose these questions so to So I spoke to list managers all the time that are working every bit as hard as previously or harder that are still significantly reduced from pre-COVID. Now, it's all very good for head office to say that, but I imagine their wages have bounced back to the same level. Um, Marketing and other departments within a club aren't faced with the same level of cap. So why are we doing this to the football department? Mm. I think it's a discussion that we can have with David Teague later on, Sarah. I I completely agree with you, Scotty. But I think we need a a mature sit-down because clubs aren't doing it just to be whinging to the AFL. They're seeing it firsthand how their people are coping or aren't coping. Uh, with, with the um, limitations that this is cap is having. So mm. let's have a reasonable conversation and work to the benefit of all. On the field, some really strange results Bizarre. across the weekend. <laughs> and so we're going to kick it off as we do every Sunday with our Sunday snaps. All right. Have I got the first one, Sarah? There we go. Okay. Now, I'm an unashamed Dwayne Russell fan. Okay. I love Dwayne Russell's commentary. <laughs> Midday Madness, every day Do you is have fantastic. Have a favourite kind of Dwayneism? Oh, gold class, I really enjoy. Um, <laughs> but this to me, this Jesse Hogan specky yesterday was to me the best bit of commentary for the season. So Lloyd just settles things down, tries to eat some time up as he kicks down towards the wing. Up goes oh. Hogan! Oh, spectacular mark! Jesse Hogan in front of the Reg Hickey stand. That is one of the great marks, thanks to Flight Centre, we've seen this year. I do love Dwayne Russell. That was Adam White, also fantastic commentary. (laughs) I was was just waiting for Dwayne to cut in there. Uh, Dwayne's not there. Dwayne's commentary. (laughs) But you like Dwayne. I do love Dwayne. I do love Adam White. This could be... Good morning, Whitey. Can we move on? That was a fantastic mark from Jesse Hogan. If you listen to that commentary on Dwayne on TV, he says he was four deep at the bar and they served him anyway. It was fantastic commentary. Adam White's also great. Sarah, who's got the next snap? I'll take the next Sunday snap. I don't have any audio to throw to, but perhaps that is a good thing given what just transpired then. Mine's also from that game. My Sunday snap is that Toby Green's the best thing to ever happen to the GWS Giants. 200 games yesterday, and for mine, still pound for pound, the best player in the league. Four goals to halftime, five for the match. He does win games off his own boot. And you know that metaphor of going to war with someone? I would go to war with Toby Green. I would stand shoulder to shoulder with him. I would, I would. (laughs) You'd be great in the trenches, Sarah. And he makes you walk taller and he brings Mm. the best out of the rest of his teammates. And look, they've won three in a row at the Cattery, but I wasn't surprised that they got up for Toby in game 200. He's as uncompromising as it gets. Yeah. There are no conditions on his effort, is there? Or attack. Yeah. He's brilliant. I would love to see Toby Green as a premiership captain. I, as a footballer, yeah. as a person, as a player, like he, he's potentially an all-time great and I just hope that he can have another go at it. You never deserve it 
No. But he almost does, and I entirely agree. Good stats, Sarah. Much better than mine. Outstanding. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't hard to be better than yours. He's 29, Toby Green. Do you reckon there is a chance that the Giants get there? Yes, I think there's a chance. They've got to get a move on a bit, but there's a chance. Scotty, your Sunday snap. Gold Coast. Mm. Really love what they're doing. Uh, you've got a coach under enormous pressure, uh, and that's just part of the business. Uh, four of their last six, included in that is a narrow loss to Melbourne, where they're excellent. And for three and a half quarters against the Lions, very, very good. Uh, Drew has led them really well. They're getting so much out of their younger players. So you see the nucleus there. I think it's somewhat worrying if you're an old, you're winning, but your best players are all 30-plus. What happens eventually? But we saw King up forwards come back into the team. Raoul's been enormous this year. Lukosius five last night. Anderson's been excellent. And what I like was the mature performance when the dogs kicked the first three. Yeah. You know, yep. it's just a, a, an evolution of that team despite some external noise. Perhaps it's great that they are up on the Gold Coast, so not everyone is obvious to it. But I've been really impressed with their performances. This team starting to grow. We have seen a few false dawns before. I want to see them go on with it this year and really push for a top eight spot. Mm. It was gutsy as well because not only did they have a lead to peg back, but towards the death as well, the dogs were coming and you thought they're going to run over the top here. All the momentum yes. was with the dogs. And then another young player, Bailey Humphreys. He looks good, doesn't he? He was, my snap, he was my snap last week. I love him. Well, yeah, that can't be diminished after that goal. But mm. you know what it came off? A critical one-on-one -on -one contest win from Raul at centre-half forward. Dogs yeah. go long down the ground, Raul impacts, ball ends up in the forward pocket, and then the class finish of Humphreys. Don't underestimate the value of the Gold Coast Suns training in these sorts of conditions for much of the summer. Um, they know or they feel as if that's a big advantage for them. And that might be enough, even if it is actually not an advantage, Scotty. Spot on. And we've spoken about it before. You know, when Port Adelaide believed no one could outrun them. Yeah. And right now, Collingwood are that. It might not be physical. The, the majority of that may be the mental side of the game where they know we're ready to go and late in the game. That might be what, you're quite right, might be what got them over the, the line, that self-belief that we train in it, we're used to it, away we go. As well as a little bit of doubt from the dogs. Yeah, that's right. Gee, it's hot. Gee. Especially from Ballarat. Ballarat yeah. to um, yeah. Darwin is a, is a big change of yeah. climate, isn't it? Yep. And the other thing about the Gold Coast Suns is they don't even have Toot Miller as well, who is arguably their most important player, certainly the most consistent midfielder. And that says something given what Anderson and Rao are doing at the moment and Humphrey. But, um, you know, he'll get back later in the season. And who knows how deep they could go and what that does for Stuart Jew, but they're doing the right things. We spoke about Noah Anderson a couple of weeks ago when he had that outstanding performance and we were going, oh, perhaps we don't pay enough attention towards the likes of Anderson because they are a little bit off-Broadway. And I think I was the one that said, for me, he's gone past Matt Rao. Matt Rao yesterday, though, was absolutely sensational. 16 clearances. He's just so tough at the cold face. And he's certainly evolving as well. He's kicked a few goals lately. I think he took his first or second bounce the other day. So he's starting <laughs> to get a little bit more flair to his game as well. Yeah, I think uh, at times, and clubs are very good at protecting their players, and players, um, they don't make excuses. Mm. They really can cop a lot and don't reveal the full detail. But I reckon he played hurt for a fair bit of the last couple of years because he had that amazing start to his career. Did he first get, three games. Yeah, best on ground. And then had some knee trouble and so forth. And I just think 
he's taken time to get over those and feel like he's running on top of the ground. I still think you're right with Anderson. I think there's a short half-head in it, and it's a week-to-week discussion because they're different, but they're both excellent. Jack Lacocious, mm. do we play him forward? Is that where we want to see, see him stay? Because four goals in, what, in the second quarter, five yeah. for the match. Where is he best uh, used? You need a few of him almost, don't you? It's a great question because – Previously, I'd thought interceptor halfback kicks it well, can play the third tall role, helps their back line because they've got a couple of guys in their backs that are really competitive but not elite ball users. Mm -hmm. So therefore, he complements that. But Sarah, to your point, there's very few players with the level of ability or class to kick four and a quarter, five for the game. So you could make a great case that he's not wasted is the wrong use of the word, but not fully utilised if he is in the back half because it's tough up forward. And, Tom, I'm sure we'll get onto it a little bit around Melbourne yeah. as well as uh, as a loyal supporter you're lamenting their woes is somewhat hard, at the is, moment. Is it harder to find a good forward or a good user off half-back, like Lacocious? Like, I feel like it's... Good forward. Yeah, they're, so, they're so hard to find So given because that you found one, you should use him there. You know what? As simp- if we want to make it as simple as we can, you're yeah. spot on. Yeah. If you've got someone that's capable of kicking three-plus goals in a game, Mm. there's an obvious place that they should play because it's a bloody tough position. And I think we don't talk about that enough that, hey, and Freo to a little, I think that's the one thing that that stops them last year, this year from realising their full potential is that key forward that can bail you out. We saw Max King do it for Hawthorne. We've seen Geelong's forwards do it time and time again. Toby as well. If you've got them... Uh, they they make all the difference. Look, Toby kicks four in the first half. That's the game, isn't it? Yeah. If it's not, if Toby's not there, there's no other player in that team that can do that. If the same player ran to the same positions, he doesn't win those con- doesn't kick those goals. They might get one or two. Mm. So that's how important it is. And Melbourne don't quite have it at the moment. Uh, when you've got it with Lukosius, play up forward. It says a bit that we're starting the show talking about the Gold Coast Suns and how they've turned and how they're playing some good footy for the first time this year on a consistent basis, Sarah. And they've got these players, aside from Ben King, who's out of contract at the end of next year, who've all signed long-term. So they, at, at a glance, it looks like the club is moving in the right direction, but then there is the big shadow of Damien Hardwick yeah. that lingers over the club and whether they would be better with him or not. But at the moment, they're doing everything they can. And yesterday was a, scal- a scalp against the Western Bulldogs. Embrace that, though. Your point's valid. You know, would they be better off with Hardwick? How many teams in the competition would be? Mm. Seven or eight or nine or ten? Depends on where you rank Damien Hardwick as a coach. You know, some way we'll find a ranking. Who's the best? Who's, oh, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change my coach for him. Yeah, I would. I might. I'd consider it. So I think that's just embrace that. Uh but, and we'll chat about it later on, but it really is interesting what Dimmer's decision means from a domino point of view with other mm. clubs, etc. So the Suns are now five and six. I believe they're... Are they staying up in Darwin? Yeah, they've yeah. got two weeks up there. So they're playing there next week so as well. So they're playing Adelaide yeah, next. Which so that's be, another big test, isn't it? They need to win that. They should. Adelaide have played good football, but as we've saw, seen last night, the way that they performed, that they should go into that game confident. And as you said, familiar with the conditions, used to it, spending the week there, they should turn, really, they should expect to turn at six and six and be on the fringe of the eight. On the flip side, the Dogs, they're now seven and four with the Cats next. What did we take from their performance last night? Didn't lose any friends? Zero. Zero. Um, 
if we they played as you said they played last week down in Ballarat fair contrast been up for a while tough competition with a six or five or six in a row yeah um, still played some decent football last night um, Gold Coast were just a bit better yeah and I think Gold Coast are okay so no they don't walk away they didn't play at their best but it's a game of inches now. And we've seen, and you know, yesterday we were discussing, weren't we? You know, teams that are just up and down, and if you're a little bit off, you get done. The Western Bulldogs had 20 inside 50s in the second quarter, and it kicked just two behinds. Um, so that, that'll be the area. That was the moment where I thought, geez, the, the Suns are defending really well here, or holding them off, and in the end they ran over them. Extra 18 inside 50s for the game. Yeah. So when they review it, they'll go, well, our effort was clearly good. We got the ball inside forward 50. How is our connection? What can we do better there? Did we position ourselves well? Did we not play the conditions right? Did we try and mark it a lot when, you know, slippery conditions and so forth, maybe they should have played a little bit differently, got them up, got it over the back, etc. A little bit like that last ball that bounced over on Lukosius and he didn't quite get it. Yeah. Remember, they all rolled up the ground, got it out the back, running race back. Tough to mark. Let's play that sort of game. Lost no friends. A real positive for the Blues as well. Not the Blues, I should say. The Dogs. <laughs> you is haven't said that so I was, in, I was dogs, interested to see how you're going to weave that, Sarah. He's Liam Jones, of course, formerly yeah. at yes. the Blues. But he's come into this side. We didn't really know what to expect from him. Um, of course, we knew his ability, his ability to intercept. But he is proving so important to that back line. Well, it was a year out of the game. And at that age, you go, gee, does the body just start to seize up? Is it hard to get mm. going again? Does the game change uh been outstanding i gave him i think he had seven or eight possessions last week and i did the game for uh afl nation and i gave him a vote Mm. because he just got in the way a lot now i think he had he had a significant amount of intercept marks last night so he was dominant he's uh he's in real form now i don't think he's ever been an all-australian he'd have to be in the squad and at the moment because of the impact that he's had he's been Mm. outstanding who would you have in the All Australian backline at the moment? Because you'd think that Darcy Moore would certainly oh, have lock. to be anchoring he'd be, a position. Oh, he'd be my captain. Yeah, I think yeah. that's fair at the moment. Uh, Sicily'd have to be in there. Well, how about yesterday's performance? Forty-three possessions. Yeah, fair. Day and we'll at the talk office. about his MRO trouble in a little bit as well in the news whip. But he could be in Don't some be strife. Tom, the negativity. It's just factual. We have to cover it, Scotty. It's we'll factual. Yeah. Yes. But who else is going to be occupying spots in that backline when it comes to the All Australian team? Jack because Sinclair at halfback. Cal, Win- yeah. Cal Wilkie, he's also Wilkie, been playing yes, very been well. Wilkie, yes, excellent. And we're going to miss someone, of course. Ballard at Gold Coast has put together a good year. Too. Yeah, he's fantastic, Ballard. Hard to go past Stephen May. I mean, He's also. been a bit more inconsistent, Stephen May. Yes. Than his usual self, but do we mark him harder? We do, yeah. but he's still the hardest guy to get a kick on. Yeah. I think Darcy Moore's the clear centre-half back, and then you work clear. around that. Clear. Yeah. Clear centre-half back. And you'd have back. him as your captain, would you? Yes. I would, yeah. Who's but- second? That's more the question. Maybe next week we get somebody to do his um, halfway mark All-Australian team. So right now they're nine and one. So he's the captain of the team that are on top of the ladder and he's played some outstanding football. And we've seen uh, his leadership in different forms this year. Mm. For mine, he's a lock. Marcus Bontempelli, again, a really strong game for the Dogs yesterday. How have you viewed his season? Because we're talking about him as a Brownlow fancy. I mean, Top all the, the chat was Nick Dacos at the start of the yep. season. But I think Marcus Bontempelli's probably pegged him back. For yours, is is yeah. he the favourite? Uh, yes, he would be without going over it. I think Nick's had a quieter three weeks. A good three weeks. But remember, and you're right to ask, Sarah, when we're talking Brownlow, we're talking about best on the ground. 
Well, Bont was close last week. I think I might have given him the three votes. Um, strong again last night, although they got beaten. But he's just been consistent. Mm. He's been consistently close to their best player in every game. He's got some mates there, though. They've yep. had a really good uh, contribution from several players at the Dogs. We talk about underrated. I mean, Libba, just for them, he's hit the support that he provides Bon Pally and the different look that he gives. He's had a super season. Can I just change track for a second? Of course. Trent Cochin is out on the MCG at the moment. He's the first Richmond player out on the ground. This will be the first time he plays under a coach that's not Damien Hardwick since his 25th game which was 2009. It's just a massive shift, isn't it, for the Richmond Football Club? Him and Jack Rewalt, you'd imagine, retire at the end of the year. I'm looking at Cochin now. He played very well last week as well, Sarah. Yes, he it, did. Albeit in a loss. Um, and it's just a shame that he doesn't get to go at the same time as his coach, but he's been an, he's been an amazing player. And a Brownlow medalist, let's not forget that. And when you think about the big four at Richmond, I mean, Peggy O'Neill's gone, Cochin's no longer captain, Dimmer's gone, and Brendan Gale, well, he's being linked with jobs at the AFL, and it's mm. pretty likely that by the end of the year, those big four, they'll no longer be there, the end of the year. Would you like to see him at the AFL, Sarah? I think he'd do very well at the I AFL. I think he would, yeah. I think he would. It's just whether what he wants to do now. Given that he he's on record, he went for Andrew Dillon's job. Oh, he went for the CEO job. He yep. missed out. Um He'd be a fantastic footy boss, probably in a more wide-ranging role than what Steve Hocking or Brad Scott had. You know, he'd be his part of his portfolio would have to be Tasmania as well, which of course is his home state. Um, and then you'd probably be able to get someone in underneath Brendan Gale to f really focus on footy ops, more specific, more like what Brad Scott did as well. Um, but there is there is considerable change happening at Richmond, and that will continue. I'd yes. imagine they'd need to put something fairly enticing forward to him other than just the footy ops role. Yeah, he'd, that, that he'd be would, more than footy ops. Yeah, it I would have to be. I think he would be, be more hands-on, perhaps, yeah. than previous that, footy ops bosses. In inverted commas, probably bore him a little bit, wouldn't it? General Getting into the nuance of the footy ops and, you know, the MRO. Or, you know, yeah, he, doesn't, he, they, doesn't, no, he doesn't want to be dealing with that. So they would have to have a very high-level job description for him, I would assume, to entertain that. Mm. This is the Saturday Night Wrap for Underworks. For all-day comfort, everyday quality and everyday style, it has to be all-day socks by Underworks. All-day comfort, all-day socks by Underworks. All right, stick with us on Sunday Crunch Time. Up next, big wins for the Dockers and the Hawks. We'll unpack it all. You're listening to Crunch Time. Zito Power Tools. German-designed quality and innovation powering DIYers. All day, every day. Visit Berwick GMW Haval and test drive the GWM Canon CC. Part of the Berwick Motor Group. We've been around footy long enough to know that things can turn really, really quickly. And the Dockers are going to conquer Melbourne at the MCG for the second year in a row. Seven points, four consecutive wins for the Dockers, and they are right back in this season. Welcome back to Crunch Time for Ozito, powering DIYers all day, every day at Bunnings. And yes, it was a bit of deja vu yesterday at the MCG with the Dockers. They were just too strong over the D's seven-point winners. Of course, Nam is the D's, and while you're up being Fremantle, while we're in Sir Doug Nichols' round... It was a tight tussle, and the D's had every chance, Tom. But yep. in the end, just a few clutch moments. I thought the Dockers, they stood up. Yeah, the Dockers stood up really well. I mean, it is 365 days ago, exactly today, that Fremantle beat Melbourne here at the MCG when the D's were 10 and naught, And the Dockers did the same to them yesterday. Um, 
Luke Jackson in the third quarter. Does that ring a bell? This time it was for the Fremantle Dockers, not Melbourne bell, Football Club. <laughs> uh, he was fantastic in the ruck after Sean Darcy went down with a hamstring. We'll talk about that later. Um, but Simon Goodwin after the game was clearly frustrated and he hasn't really been this visibly frustrated after matches all year. Um, he said, we want to be a team that wins. We've got work to do. We were inefficient, whether it be across the ground or in front of goal. And very rarely is he critical of how they play in such a, a pointed way, but he was after the game yesterday. And I think anyone watching it would see that Melbourne probably let it slip, but Fremantle probably also deserved to win. Two things can be true at once. Well, let's hear from Simon Goodwin and some of that frustration. I think it was as much ball use as anything. Um, so we need to have a look at all that. Um, but as I said, we sit here frustrated because you, you don't win a game of footy and you give yourself a chance to win a game of footy. But we just didn't execute with the ball. So um, we need to get better. You know, that's where we sit at the moment, but we're, we're frustrated. We want to we wanna be a team that wins. Um, so we've got some work to do. Scotty, that disconnect between the midfield and the forward line is evident when Melbourne lose. Is it a serious problem for them if they want to go deep in the season? Yes, it's a problem. Yep. We can debate uh, the seriousness of it or the level, but it is more inside 50. So their, their game held up. They won the contest. Like That's their bread and butter, isn't it? And they often talk about it. Plus 16 in the contest. That's great. Six more inside 50s, 10 goals. It's their front half and mm -hmm. really how they connect. And you can look at – you'd really want to break down each entry and go, okay – poor kick, poor decision, or forwards not running good patterns. Sometimes a poor pattern from a forward is the reason why the mid's put under pressure. I mean, if you get open, any decent footballer can hit a target. But if your forwards um, aren't working hard enough or aren't quite up to speed on that, then that can, be, can become a problem. Freya are also a very good back, back line as well, which makes it that bit more difficult. But if we talk more broadly, it seems to it is the theme with Melbourne, isn't it? It's the one area. Outstanding midfield, mm. best in the comp. Um, Oliver out, I know. Mm. Lever, May down back, excellent. Two great Ruckman. Two gr got the good balance there, but they just can't kick enough score in their front half mm. from the entries they get. Because I would say each week they would win the inside 50 count. So that's also setting up behind the ball. Really good contest work from clearance. Got the Ruckman. Just don't get the most out of it. So then you've got to look at positioning. Do we give our mids a good enough chance to hit targets? And then the personnel down there. Yeah. And you've got to work on it. Yeah. Are they only just travelling the Ds? Oh, they are. Yeah. So seven wins this season and six of them have come against West Coast, North, Hawthorne, Richmond, Gold Coast and Sydney. So they're not huge scalps, really. No. They're, they're teams they should be beating. Is it kind of hiding the fact that perhaps not everything is going so well when it comes to Melbourne? Well, they will know that everything's not going well. Mm. More broadly, we look at, you're right, Sarah, we look at the ladder, seven and four, fourth on the ladder, they're going okay. But when you dig a bit deeper and see who they're against, a little bit of luck against the Gold Coast, if that swings, mm. you know, you're six and five, not seven and four. Mm. Uh, that, that's the one area. Internally, no doubt they're well aware. Mm. I mean... You know, you look at it analytically, you study the data, you know where the areas in your game are that you need to improve. You want to look at the glass half full, and that's your job as a coach. As you said last year, they were 10 and zip, yeah. flying. I still remember often saying they're, the four, they're four goals better than anyone else mm. at that point in time. Uh, they didn't make the grand final. They didn't, so make, things, they didn't make a prelim either. That's right. So things change. So what I'm saying is they've got time. They've got to identify it. They've got to rectify it. Plenty of time left. Remember, you've got to be playing well 
at the right time also. Was it the year they won the flag? Were they six or seven down at half time against Geelong? They did they come back yeah. and win that in round twenty three yeah. when Max Gorn kicked the goal off the siren. So they were seven goals down in the last game against Geelong. It, about they were fair yeah, way roughly. Down. Yeah. So if Geelong had a nutted them that game, they wouldn't have finished first. They would have the whole final series. So what I mean is timing. Get yeah. it right. I yep. will say this, Sarah. Across the last 35 games Melbourne have played, so that's last year mm. and this year, they've consistently failed against top four teams. So in that period, they've won 23 games, which isn't bad, but just five of these wins have been against top eight teams, and none of those wins have been against top four teams. So in 2022, they lost two games to Sydney, two games to Collingwood. They lost to Geelong. Yes, they beat Brisbane twice, but then lost to them in a final. And this year, they've lost to Brisbane and Port who are top eight teams. So the the lack of consistency or the lack of wins against top eight teams and no wins against top four teams over the last 18 months is actually now a pattern yeah. that, is, that has existed for the best part of a year and a half. And there is only one possible conclusion you can draw from that. Mm. They're not quite good enough. Exactly right. At the, this point in time to compete with the very best team. So they're not quite Carlton or a mid-ranked team. They're better than that. But they're also not Collingwood or Brisbane or a top-ranked team. And then the question has to be asked, Sarah, if they don't win a flag this year and if they, stru- if they struggle next year, does this group, to really frank their potential, need to win a second premiership in this era? Because you set a high standard. They won a premiership. They did a, an, an amazing job to win that flag. They played a great month of footy. But you think with Petrarca and Oliver and May and Lever and Gorn, this group should probably at least play in another grand final, probably another flag. So we won short. I would think on the talent that they've got, but they need to evolve. Mm. That is the question they need to ask and how they do that. Is it, do they need to play Petrarca semi? They've got to try something different. Is it Petrarca plays out of the square a little bit more to give them that power up forward, but they need to do something different because, you know, as they say, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again uh, and expect a different result. What's it called? You're an idiot. (laughs) So what you're saying is if they don't get another flag out of this group, if they don't maximise the Mm. talent that's there, in your eyes, it's a bit of a failure. Well, yeah, I, I think it's probably a slightly lesser version of what Scotty lived through in 2000. <laughs> I, was about, I didn't want to... Yeah, we're one no, short. No, it is. It is. If you we have... finished on top three years in a row and we got one for it. I would think if you asked collectively the players that played, because mm. some of the 2000 team played in 93, so they got two. Yeah. All of us that only played in one are jealous, and we feel that we missed one. Don't I'm... tell me... Whichever one you want, we finished on top three years in a row and won one. Brisbane... Thoroughly deserved all their flags. Didn't finish on top once. Yeah. But they timed it well. Yeah. There's a little bit of that. And I think, and you're quite right, Tom, I think Melbourne would feel if this um, petered out, so to speak, and they just went back to the, you know, the the lower half of the top eight and made the finals the next few years and then sort of it starts to rebuild at some point in time, they'll feel that they missed one yep. without question. Because their best players, aside from Gorn and May, are still all in their 20s. So they've got time to do it. But time runs out pretty quickly as well. They've yeah. got too anyway. many good players in their team. Yeah, That was what was going on at the MCG. This is what was going on at Marvel Stadium. So Warple up to use a quick hand pass today. It's the Hawks who go forward. Kick was to an outnumbered Lewis. Brewster's at the back. Doubles back. Opens up the possibility and snaps a ripper. 498th career goal. Puts the Hawks in front as well. So in the end, St Kilda 12-6-78. They lost to Hawthorne 12-16-88. The Hawks recording a 10-point win. And really, when you were looking at the last term, the Saints were 20 points Mm. up and Jack Higgins actually had a 
bit of a botched opportunity on goal. If he kicks that, there's no way the Saints don't get up. But in the end, Hawthorne, they kicked the final five goals, if you don't mind. It was a really compelling win. And if they'd kicked a bit straighter, they would have won by a bit more. The Sam Mitchell blueprint is starting to take some shape, Scotty. They exceeded expectations last year, I think. And they are now this year. They're playing some good footy. It's amazing how an easy kill against West Coast can lead to some confidence against a harder team at home against St Kilda. You don't agree? No. Is there any chance that there's a possible mindset change? Uh, explain. Well, <laughs> look, the, the reality is with the way that they turned over their list, they had a thought in mind, didn't they? When they did that, they passed those players out. What, rebuild? Yeah, and the way that they wanted to rebuild. Um, I mean, I think they would have been more than happy to finish with pick one don't get me wrong, mm. and play good football. Um, and that's not tanking to me. So please don't attribute anything. Don't put them in the same sentence. So they play last week against West Coast and they win. And I think they'd probably go, well, we can't worry about this anymore. West Coast is so bad. No matter what, no matter what we try to do, I can't <laughs> see them winning another game. Let's just push on with what we've got yeah, to yeah. do. <laughs> push on. Yeah, we've got to push on. That, yeah, yeah. that, that Ship has sailed. Yeah. We'll ju we're just going to play. Your point's well made. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. We yeah. saw that last year with the way that they want to play. Seems a very clear, concise message. Um, and what I really love about it, um, and we mentioned it with Gold Coast, let's not forget the amount of pressure on Hawthorne. Um, we can talk about the why and the how, but this playing group and the coach have had a lot of attention that they would prefer mm. not to have on their club. And I just thought the way that you look at a leader like Sicily to play like that with the week they've had and the CEO has stood down and so forth. And this is affecting quite a few clubs. Let's not um, mince words on that. But to come out and play like that the last couple of weeks is a good effort. And we're seeing, you know, they talk about green shoots, but some of those young players that have contributed, such as Weddle, who's only been in the team the last two or three weeks, Connor McDonald back with the flight of the ball, key timing getting really good return out of Bruce senior player. So there's a really good blend there. Has um, the bubble burst at all for St Kilda though, who on the flip side are now seven and four with the bye to come? Their win-loss, win-loss, win-loss pattern at the moment is a concern. Are they losing that defensive mojo that was kind of emblematic of, of the Ross line at the start of the season? So I'll follow a question with a question. Do they play the most gruelling game style of any team? Well... Uh, Ross Lyons players from a decade ago would say yes. Yeah. I, I don't know whether the players now would say that, but they're, they're a, a six to ten team, and that's yeah. probably how they're playing at the moment. They probably played above themselves at the start of the season if there is such a thing, mm -hmm. and this will be a disappointing loss for them, but they've got sore players as well. Jack Steele's not 100% fit. Um, they're, they're not at their best, and they haven't been for a number of weeks, the Saints. But conversely, they've had one of the best key forwards in the comp come into the team and perform the last two weeks. So it's we been amazing, talk, hasn't it? So we can talk about, you know, they're a bit sore, they're a bit this, but Max is back in the team and playing super. So mm. they'll be really disappointed with, with yesterday's performance, but also uh, you've got to acknowledge Hawthorne. Can we acknowledge doing. James Sisley? What a performance. Is it the individual performance of the year? What? We were lauding Zach Butters. I liked Zach Merritt on um, yeah, Dreamtime the G. Yeah. Uh, well, I think from a non-midfielder, it's the individual performance from a year. 43 disposals, 22 seen, intercept possessions, yeah. 8 intercept marks. He was everywhere. And he was courageous late oh, as well. It's close. I mean, 
Cameron's played a couple of big games this year. I saw Tomahawk live against the Bombers. Mm. Yeah, but it's right up there, absolutely. But have we ever seen two? Look, Hawthorne are now third bottom, but look, they're three and eight. Last week they were one, they played against West Coast, who were, they were both one and mm. eight. Is there ever been a difference, such a big difference between second bottom and bottom that we've ever seen? It's starting to look very stark, isn't it? We're, we're Melbourne-based, so we focus predominantly on those teams. But the West Coast situation is really quite mind-boggling for me. Yeah. <laughs> it, is. Isn't it? it certainly is. It's taken it? so many we different sort of directions. Gloss, we sort of gloss over. We just go, oh, well, let's, we'll talk about Carlton later, and, and quite rightly so. But can you imagine the amount of heat on if West Coast were Hawthorne, Richmond, Carlton? Imagine if West Coast would do it, if Carlton were doing what West Coast <laughs> would do. Self-combust. The place would be on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, SEN merch is now available. Get your exclusive SEN branded T-shirts at merch.sen.com.au. The News Whip is coming up next. We're also going to unpack the Cats and the Giants. Our coffees are coming in. And, Tom, you're a disgrace. He's got a chai latte, Scotty. I don't drink coffee. All right, we'll see you on the other side of this. You're listening to Crunch Time. Zito Power Tools. German-designed quality and innovation powering DIYers. All day, every day. Visit Berwick GMW Haval and test drive the GWM Canon CC. Part of the Berwick Motor Group. Boundary throw in. We'll land 35 out. Briggs got to the front of it. Got it going towards goal. Little soccer kick off the ground. Cornelio, top of the square. Trying to kick it off the ground. Handball came from Cornelio after Riccardi overran it. And Daniels is on the end of it. He kicks his third. And that's how you salute your skipper in game 200. The Giants 12-9-81 recording a seven-point win over Geelong 10-14-74. And it really was a game all about Toby Green. Five goals for your in boy, the Sarah. first half. What a match from him and what a gutsy performance by the Giants who have now won their past three games down at GMHBA Stadium. Riddle me that, Scotty. How does a club like the Giants <laughs> win three games in a row at a fortress like GMHBA Stadium? It's the Giants fortress. What are you talking about? Yeah, true. for Giants. Um, uh, just one of those quirks, isn't yeah. it, really? Um, to look more at the game yesterday... Slightly undermanned, but still at home. Didn't play well. It was really right from the start of the game, wasn't it? You, you, they were on. Yes, they were on. And you thought, okay, well, Geelong need to, to flip this because the Giants had established the early ascendancy, both scoreboard and the way that they were playing. They were really cracking in, playing a good game. And you're right. And don't underestimate. I know coaches will often say, well, you can't try harder than try hard. But, you know, Toby 200 and the way that he goes about it, um, you know, he can shift the mood and the dynamic of the team. And I think he certainly did that early. Um, because he was able to establish his own game and lead so well early on, it was almost set in stone in a sense with momentum and confidence. And the confidence that a team gains during that and also conversely when you look at the Cats, it just deflates a little bit and then they start doubts build. Gee, we've got to get our game going. Gee, the Toby, he can take it away from us at any time. Would have been... In their mind at times, no doubt about it. Are you, but, con are you concerned about Geelong, though? Well, of course you're concerned because they're five and six, they're out at the eight, and they've got injuries that aren't all coming back next week. So there's concerns there, yeah. quite rightly so. Uh, and the coach is pretty honest, isn't he? We're yeah. not playing anywhere near what we need to. We think we know why, but it does become a race in the end, Tom, that there's only... There's a finite amount of games. You don't get forever to correct it. So, mm. you know, it's 11 down, 12 to go. 
uh, but you need some personnel back. And um, let's not underestimate, though, the impact. And we talk about Toby and his imprint across the entire group. Let's not underestimate ever Joel Selwood and the imprint that he had on that group right up to the very end when it, perhaps he wasn't their top five or six players. But it's just all the little things and the way that he um, gets them going and sets a standard and leads that group. He's not there anymore. So let's never underestimate that. That's as big a loss as you will ever have in a team when a player leaves. So they've got that to work through in addition. But then Dangerfield, their midfield's out. Patrick Dangerfield, every chance Duncan. to come back next week. But uh, Geelong, Guthrie, Sarah... You can keep listing the names in the areas of the ground that they can't afford to lose players. Geelong, Sarah, remind me a bit of what we've been saying about the Tigers the last few years. You wouldn't want to face them in a final if they finished 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th. And that looks... Uh, significantly more likely than finishing top four at five and six. That looks pretty much out of the question completely. Well, that well, is the problem as well. And you add Radicalia to their injury concerns. Mm. As soon as he went off, they looked a little bit rudderless down back as well. They're five and six with the dogs to come. Then they've got the bye and then Port and the Ds. That's a tough stretch of games for a side that needs to win games not just to stay in the top eight, but to stay in contact with the top four, which is where Geelong would want to be by the pointy end of the season. It's a great point, Sarah. You look at next week at the Dogs. Look, they're up and about. Now, they still played some good footy last night, but at Marvel Stadium, quick track. I know who I'll be tipping. Not that that means anything the way that I'm Mm -hmm. going this weekend. Beat opposite of Essendon, who finished low last year, and they get West Coast twice, North Melbourne twice, and they got three of those four to come. Geelong have a much harder draw by virtue of the fact they finish in the top six. Um, that's the way the AFL fixtures it. But you say it's a hard run for them, and you're right, but they've got a hard fixture in general. I know they get to play games at home, but in terms of who they play, they're playing broadly against better teams the entire year. So it's hard to go on a run for them. And Chris Scott is very keen not to make excuses, but the reality is that they have personnel issues. They don't have their best team out there. And some of their best team up. So Isaac Smith won the Norm Smith medal. Mm. Has he played, in fairness to him, and he's getting... Everyone gets a year... As you get a year older, and father father time's never beaten, uh, <laughs> has he played a game like that this year? No. He might not have played another game like that in his career, to be fair, but no, he hasn't been at his <laughs> best no, this year. That's right. And yeah. we haven't seen Duncan and Dangerfield. Now, in respect to them, they're not 25. So no. at some point, it does take a toll. Who has copped more heat, though, when it comes to last year's grand finalists, the Swans or the Cats? The Swans have copped more heat. I think we give Geelong more of a mulligan because they won last year's grand final, but the reality is they were both there on the last day, last Saturday in September. Well, and they're they, both five and, and six now, no, they're both five and is six. the point I'm making. Yes, yeah. but I think the big element is we wanted to, or too many wanted to attach the failure of Sydney in the grand final to their form this year. So the discussion is... Does it have they... no correlation? Surely there's a correlation. I don't, I don't think so. You don't think so? They got beaten badly on yeah, okay. one day. Okay. Uh, perhaps to certain players it might, uh, but we've also seen other teams move on and come back and you know right that wrong a little bit. So I think it probably can work both ways. But knowing the Swans as they've been there before, like a lot of those players are experienced. That you know that, that that's life. We'll move on. We'll take out of it what we need. We had a bad day. Get on with it. I reckon you know. And there's heat on Sydney. But I see, I don't think there should be a lot of heat on either because both have got enormous injury lists. Like every time Sydney get beaten, you can point to the fact they don't have a back line. Yeah. You know, Geelong smacked them. Hawkins had um, Will Gould on him who... Callum Mills. He had Callum Mills, Mills on him yeah, at one Callum point. Mills. Yeah, Yeah, like what can we honestly expect from that matchup? Yeah. So that's where we've got to 
just dig a bit deeper and say, okay, there's really good reasons why. But you believe in the culture and you believe in the club and know that this might last 10. It might last a year for both teams, but they'll come back. Yeah. And also, but at some point it ends. Yeah. Like Sydney, uh, the reliance, fairly so, is on third or fourth highest goal kicker of all time. Like, buddy, if, if we, we do say reasons why, well, let's talk. Bud, Bud unfortunately and sadly, can't get near it, can he? Mm. So, so that has a, a flow-on effect to the team's performance. But we respect why he's playing this year and we respect the career that he's had. But he's not Bud of yesteryear. Plenty more to come on Sunday Crunch Time. Joining us in the second hour, Connor Nash and David Teague.